0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara, in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Amen. You may go ahead and have a seat and turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles going to take you a few minutes to get there, I'm sure, because you're like, Chronicles? Where in the world is that? It's at the beginning, so you look in your index, you'll get there, and while you're looking there, I just wanted to uh, remind you, you heard it quickly in the announcements, but just kind of wanted to bring to emphasis the reality of of what God is doing through Harvest Bible Fellowship. It's always great to be a part of what God is doing, not just in our church, but abroad, amen? And so this week, uh, we're having three churches. They should be up here on the screen. Are they there? Uh, Three churches being planted this this month, Harvest uh, Charleston, South Carolina, Harvest in Haiti, and uh, Harvest in uh, Romania. So just great to be a part of what God's doing. So I encourage you to pray for these churches like we were five years ago, praying desperately that God would move. Pray that for these churches, part of our privileges, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're not just consumed with our own thing here, which we love what God is doing here, but we get to be part of what God's doing elsewhere too. And so just keep that in mind as we uh, pray. And just to know this, uh, up to this date, we haven't had an update on this for a while. So to this date, Harvest Bible Fellowship is now 155 total church plants. That's pretty amazing. And I don't tell you this because harvest is good because you know we're not. We're just regular average people. I tell you this because God is good and God is moving uh, within what we're doing at harvest. And and we believe that's only because we are staying low before God and, and trying to do God's work God's way. And he always chooses to bless and move in that way. And so we just wanted to celebrate a little bit today before we get into God's word. But that's awesome. And we also believe that these things are happening. Why? Because the power of? Because the power of? Prayer, yes, prayer is what makes uh, God uh, God's activity happen on Earth. Prayer is the greatest thing that we can be a part of as believers, and thus we're starting the new year focused on being a church that prays. Because so often, so often, like if you're like me, you know the privilege of prayer. You know it's our, uh, the greatest privilege we have in this life, but it can also be sometimes the greatest struggle that we have as believers. Is it not? Is it not? And that's why we're starting this whole, this whole year with prayer because, because so often we as believers can get stuck in our prayer lives. You ever get to this place in your life where you know you should pray, where deep down you want to pray, but when it comes to praying, it feels like your life is like many people in the egg are trying to drive in the winter with summer tires. Anyone ever been there where you, have, you know it, you want it, but you just can't seem to Thrive in a way that is honor to God and Prolive. Anyone ever get there? Just the pastor. Oh. <laughs> Be encouraged then this morning. Be encouraged. It's our, it's our struggle. It's our privilege, but it's our struggle. And sometimes I think it's not because we have a lack of desire to pray. It's not that we don't know what to pray for, but it's, it's sometimes I think that we forget or we haven't been taught how to pray in the Bible way. And so this whole series, we started an intro kind of last week. This whole series is to teach you how to pray the Bible way. And I read this book not too long ago by a guy named Donald Whitney. I think it describes a lot of us uh, so adequately in our lives, is that we get in these these blocks of prayer, this rut of prayer, because we pray the same things every single day. We get up in the morning, we pray the same things, we hit rewind, pray them again the next day, and our prayer life quickly becomes dull, or I hate to use the word, boring. And then we feel even worse, like we're second-rate Christians, and we get into this, I can't pray, I can't pray, but, but here's the things we pray for every day, and I hope to bust us out of these in this series. We pray for the common things like family, and future, and finances, and friends, and careers, and church or church families, and current crises, A bunch of C's and a bunch of F's. Don't you find yourself in that place? Well, what do I pray for? I pray for, we pray for the same things. Family and friends and future and finances and career and church and church family and current crisis and and every morning it's the same thing and it's the same thing. It feels like Groundhog Day. It's just, I don't know, prayer's not exciting to me. Prayer's not really, I don't have the power that you guys seem to have in prayer. But I think if we kind of got out of that mentality of rewind, repeat, and, and open our eyes to what the scriptures tell us and how the scriptures tell us to pray, it will bring a whole new element to our prayer lives. We have a whole new element to our prayer lives, and our life in Jesus Christ will explode with the things of him. And so what I'm going to do over the next four weeks is break apart the, the word pray, just simply the word pray, to give you a blueprint, a quick blueprint of how to pray in your everyday life. Very practical series, I pray for you. Uh, but we're just going to start with the letter P today. It's going to have a P, and R, and an A, and a Y. I'm not going to let you jump ahead so you know what sermons you want to skip or not skip. I'm just going to start with the P today. And the P is simply this. It's praise. The, C, the P is this. is to praise. So we're going to talk to you about what it means to praise the Lord through prayer. It's one of these elements of prayer that often gets missed in a lot of our lives. We go into the prayer closet. And we go bust it in there. We can on and say, God, I want, I need, I want, I need, I want, I need. Go bust it out. We're like, well, that wasn't satisfying. Is that ever satisfying for you if you have a friend that comes to you and just gives you all the things that they want you to do and then goes away? how God must feel when we forget to stop at the beginning of our times with God in, in prayer and simply praise Him. If there's anyone worthy of our time and our attention and our affection, it is God Himself, it's Jesus Christ, it's the Holy Spirit. And I guarantee you this morning, if you've fallen off the prayer train or never gotten on it, it's because you've missed the power of praise in your prayers. We often think of praise as just coming with worship songs and, and the times that we sing. And yet if you look at the Bible, the Bible often talks about our prayers being filled with praise as well. In fact, in Psalm 100 verse4 and Mark 11:17, the house of prayer that God calls uh, us is to be entered with praise and with thanksgiving one of our favorite verses in 1st Thessalonians 5:16 to 18 rejoice always pray without ceasing you get this rejoice always starts there pray without ceasing and then ends with give thanks in all circumstances why because this is what God's will is for your life Praise is such a powerful element in our Christian lives. We miss it. We miss the fullness of what God has for us, not just in prayer, but also in our lives. This is what praise is to us. Praise is the ingredient that makes my heart and my prayer life come to life. Praise is to my soul what yeast is to bread. You don't put, if you don't put, you got those pictures? No. No. Okay, no. All right. So picture it with me, then. You can picture it. If yeast is to our souls and our prayer life if prayer is to our souls and our prayer life, what yeast is to bread? Picture flatbread. Appetizing for anybody? Generally not. Unless you put something on it that's really good. Picture though a bake shop loaf of bread that is full and appetizing, and desirous, and you can't stop eating that loaf of bread. That's, that's what praise does to our souls. That's what praise does to our prayer lives. Praise rises us to know the fullness of what God, who God is, and what God wants for our lives. John MacArthur says this, worship is the highest form of prayer, and prayer is the highest form of worship. Do you get that? Worship is the highest form of prayer, and prayer is the highest form of worship. God's first commandment is what? To worship God alone. And even if you stop to study it, even the pagan gods that are out there that other people serve, none of them have this mentality where you can get whatever you want from your deity, so somehow I wonder how that's crept into our Christian faith and our own prayer lives. It shouldn't. And it can't. And if you're going to know the fullness of the power of prayer, it has to start. It is, is soul changing to start with praise. just getting before the, the Lord and praising him. And so we're going to look at today a, a powerful prayer of praise in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 29. Starting at verse 10, here's how the book of 1 Chronicles ends. It's it's David getting all the things ready to build the temple for the Lord. And he has been calling on the Lord and asking the Lord to do all these things for him. and, And everything seems to be in place. And instead of going to God with, okay, God, now you know what to do next. Here's what David does first. He stops and simply prays a prayer of praise. I ask you this. When was the last time in your life where you stopped in your time with prayer and had no request for God? You just stopped to praise God and thank God, and worship God, and adore God, you miss that, you miss out on the privilege and the power of prayer. And so listen to what David says, I pray this is a blueprint for our lives as we consider what it means to pray like never before, praying that our hearts will be stirred to pray like never before. See the subtitle, David prays in the assembly, verse 10, therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly, got all the people together, said hey, we're gonna pray, and we're gonna pray a prayer of blessing before the Lord. And David said this, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and all that in the earth is yours. See this? Circle of time it says yours and yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might in your hand. It is, so to, it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Verse 14, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. For this is what we are. We are but strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that that we have provided for building a house for, for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. first glance, it seems like a simple prayer. It seems like there's nothing fantastic about that prayer. But I ask you again, like when was the last time you stopped to pray something like that to God? You notice how many times it said you in that passage and how many times it said I in that passage? You can count them up at home. I know you're smart people. I won't do the work for you. But the point is, sometimes I think we miss out on the power of prayer because we fully miss out on the reality of what prayer is. Prayer is more about God than it is us. And after you count the number of yous in this passage, next time you pray, count the number of I's versus the number of yous in your prayer, and you will have a good perspective of whether you're truly praying the Bible way or you're praying your own way and making yourself the God instead of making, allowing God to be God in your life. Notice David here, he wasn't, doing anything but purely worshiping God. He wasn't looking for the limelight for himself. He wasn't putting the, he, instead he was putting the spotlight on God. He wasn't seeking more from God, but he was acknowledging what he already has from God. This is the posture of praise. And there's four things in this pastor I wanna pull out that, that will help our prayers turn into praise, which will totally rearrange the way you pray, the way you think about pray, praying, and even your desire to pray if we get these things straight. And number one is this. My prayers, rise, my prayers rise to praise when I, number one, bless the Lord over asking the Lord for blessing. My prayers rise to praise when I bless the Lord over asking for blessing from the Lord. This is found in verse uh, 10 here. It says this. As David prayed, he opened up his prayer with this. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. We take great joy in praying because sometimes we know we 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 know it's we're blessing in prayer. But we we take such great joy in praying because we sometimes think that God is our little cosmic servant who's gonna if we pray he's gonna bless me. But really, what the scriptures teach us, even in the Old Testament, is that part of prayer, part of prayer is blessing the Lord in our prayers. And taking joy in the fact that I am being a blessing to God with what's coming out of my lips more than seeking the blessings from the hand of God coming into my life. What does it mean that we bless the Lord? David says it right here, blessed are you, O Lord. It's actually a scriptural truth that we bless the Lord. To bless the Lord simply means this, to praise him or to honor his name. To praise God or honor his name is what it means to bless the Lord. The Hebrew Hebrew word blesses translated in the Old Testament literally means to kneel, indicating the idea of honoring the Lord. I know you're thinking, well, to bless the Lord. I can't bless the Lord. He blesses me. What can I give the Lord? He's perfect. We don't add anything to God when we bless him, but we do sure put a smile on the face of God when we take time to bow our knee before him and acknowledge him before I acknowledge myself. This whole idea of blessing the Lord is is throughout the Bible. In in Psalm 145, 21, it says this, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all my flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Give him the credit, give him the praise, give him the honor. Stop to to put the attention on him for a second. Psalm 103, verse one says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name because one of the things that God desires most out of our prayer lives is not seeking blessing from him, but simply stopping to bless him out of love and appreciation and adoration for him. That's what God longs for from our prayer lives. More than anything else. That we stop and honor the Father. The same way when I come home from work, I'm so excited to like meet with my kids and they kind of come bounding up the stairs and Maya has the same question every single day without fail. What'd you bring me? I went to work. I didn't bring you anything. Oh, run away. And then Zach will come up. and like, Dad, I need pizza money. Again? wasn't pizza day yesterday. And can you sign my agenda? And then, and then my, my wife's like, glad you're home. There's a few things that... Stay at the door like, love you guys actually make my kids come back and give me a hug before they run away. Ruth's usually pretty good at standing there and getting a hug from me, but man, that blesses my heart. Just that people put everything aside and put their attention on me for a little bit as a dad who loves them, a husband who loves them. I know there's so much going on, but it just so blesses my heart when my, my family comes around me and, and just hugs me and loves me and embraces me. And You, you get where I'm going with this, Right? which is the one element we often miss in prayer. We come into God's house and we come in like, hey God, can you, will you need this, want that? And he's like waiting with the big arms open, like hug, oh yeah, high five, keep going. You know what we miss on that? We miss out the, on the vitality of the love and the grace and the compassion and the closeness of our God and Father. And so in our prayer lives, it would be so well to start with just making a point of like, I want to bless the Lord today. I just want to bring a smile to the Lord's face today. You know, my son knows how to do that with me. My son sometimes will come up and he'll just stop and tell me something that he has appreciated about me sometimes, or or he'll just thank me. He says to me sometimes like, dad, you're just a good dad. And I'm like, what do you want? (laughs) Nothing. You know, he's like, you know, can we just hang out for a bit and, and snuggle for a little bit? Like, he still does that. He's probably embarrassing to say this, so don't tell him if you see him after. Don't make him fun of him. But, but I love that, just to, like, hang out with my son a little bit. This Christmas, he did this for me to, to just bless me. He just stopped and made me a Christmas card. All on his own. No one asked him to. I won't read you the whole thing, but there's a bunch of Bible verses he quoted in here from the Psalms, which I was just like, wow, that's sweet and simple message. Part of the message was this. It just says, dear dad, you're the best dad I could ask for. Profound, and he says, "This God knows best in every circumstance." Merry Christmas! Wow. Then he signed his love, Zach, and put in brackets, "Your son." Like I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And he's so nice. He put his and Maya, your daughter, just to add her to that. What a blessing. I have a whole stack of these at home that I keep in my top drawer of birthdays and Christmases and Easters. And you realize that's what prayer's for? Just to come in the presence of God and bless His heart, His, put a smile on His face. and, And, you know, but how's that satisfying for me? That is so satisfying for us. That's more satisfying than going to God and saying, here's what I need and want and you should do. That's way more satisfying than that. That is actually communing with our God. I know the times that I take time out of my earthly father. I know how to bless my earthly father too. You take him out for dinner and feed him food. And spend some time with him. That that is so much more satisfying than getting, you know, a little gift card in my Christmas stocking from my dad. That is the satisfying part of prayer that I think we so often miss. That we can't miss if we're going to know the fullness of power of prayer. And you know, you get this this bless God instead of seeking God's blessing for myself idea straight. And guess what? You find you find you want to pray, and you can't miss out on being in the presence of God because those times are so sweet and so meaningful. And who would? What else could? What else could I spend this time on other than with my heavenly Father? This is a very different concept than, than the concept that most of us pray with in, today, in today's day and age. I just want you to know this, that, God is, that prayer is not a message board for your want ads. God is, not, God is not your sugar daddy or your servant to do whatever you want. We can demand your rights or tell him what you think. Yeah, that's a part of prayer. We're going to get to that in a bit. But first and foremost, what God desires is for you to enjoy his fellowship and to come and tell him that you're thankful for him and that you love him and how much he means to you. And the blessings start flowing both ways and you start to get a picture of what prayer is. Just had to point that out here because I think we miss that a lot. Do you miss that a lot? Be honest, do you miss that a lot? I miss that a lot. We can't miss this if we're gonna know the fullness of prayer. So let me me encourage you. You start applying this into your prayer life tomorrow and you will see God change your prayer life and you'll see God show up in ways you've never seen him show up in your life. Uh, But it doesn't stop there. Look at what's next. Point number one. Point number two is this. My prayers rise to praise when I declare God's greatness over focusing on my own emphasis. When I declare God's greatness over focusing on my own emphasis. Verse 11, again, it says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Here's what real prayer is, brothers and sisters. Real prayer is not coming into God's presence like I'm great, like I've got it all figured out now. He's just got to help me out with my plans. Real real prayer is coming into the presence of God and first and foremost acknowledging that he is great and I am not and getting low before God to recognize his greatness and simply spend some time adoring the God of the universe. This is all that David's doing. This prayer isn't long. Verses 10 to 19 is not a long prayer. See, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a, you have to have all these great theological things figured out. Uh, this is simply just a, a heart of like, I just want to again set apart your greatness above mine. I'm sure David, being the king, they just collected all these things. He collected all these things. He's probably thinking that he's pretty good. Look what he's organized. He's organized. If you look back at chapter 29, uh, verse 6, it gives you a quick thing, of, a quick uh, blueprint of all the things that they have collected for this. And it's been a big endeavor that David could probably go and say, Hey, God, look what I did. David's not. He's like, Man, I am not great. God, you are great. And he just stopped in the midst of all that was going on, in the midst of his plans and his agendas and everything else, and he just stopped to acknowledge that, man, only God is great. Only God is great. Again, we get this backwards in our prayers. We sometimes think, we say that God is great, but then we have this idea that we're so great that we just tell God now what he should be doing. And yet, yet, again, when was the last time you stopped to simply adore God and spend some time adoring God in your prayers? David here is is ransacking a theological dictionary for terms to express God's sovereign and limitless wonder and grandeur. And he uses the words like all greatness and power and glory. Remember that from the end of the Lord's Prayer? Jesus says the same things. All greatness and power and glory are the Lord's. For a long time I just got into this mentality of praying all the things I know I should pray in the first sentence or two and then getting to my big list of things that I need to pray for without stopping to consider the significance of even some of the words that David is using in this passage. I still sometimes get there and God has to bring me back and rock me back to like, let's just stop for a minute and, and, and consider the, the greatness of who God really is, the power of God. Part of prayer is stopping to consider the power of God and and telling God how powerful he is, but letting God show you how powerful he is. Power is simply this, the almightiness of God. He's all powerful. There's not a weight that God can't lift, a mountain God can't climb, or a problem that God can't solve. That's how powerful your God is. Jeremiah 10, 6, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great and your name is great in might. That's how powerful God is. When was the last time you told him that? You're so thankful for God who has all power. God's not just powerful, though. He's glorious. This means the brightness of the divine. Consider this. Take all the stars and all the stars of the heavens and put them in a big pile here on earth. Get every light bulb that's ever been created on earth and put them in a big pile. Turn it all on and you'll have this massive light that doesn't even compare to the glorious nature of our God. Doesn't even come close to the brilliance and the radiance of God. This is the God that we pray to. God is also a God of victory, it says here. The victory. Consider this, that that our God is a God who always wins. He's never lost in his life. No sports team can ever say that. They may have had an undefeated season. They can never say they've never lost. No ruler can say he's never lost a battle. But yet God, he comes and he is always victorious. Proverbs 21, 31, victory belongs to the Lord's and every victory you have ever won in your life is not really yours, it's God's. He likes to hear that once in a while from us. To show him that, hey, I'm mindful of the fact that I am nothing and you are everything. That is part of even what puts our hearts in a proper perspective to really pray from beyond the P and the praise. The majesty of God, the kingship of God, the most powerful leader of all time who created and created and conquered and demands utmost respect for our lives. This is part of prayer, is stopping just to acknowledge God's greatness. Psalm 46, 10, to be still and know that I am God. Talk last week, not just talking, but listening and, and beholding and, and stopping to adore God and worship God. There's only one person that's great on this whole planet and he loves to hear that we know that. And who's the person that's great? It's God himself. And all these people on earth that have these titles, they attach great to their name, the Great One, Wayne Gretzky. Well, where's he now? He's retired and old. <laughs> Muhammad Ali said he was great and, and he even said this about himself. I am the greatest. I said even before I knew I was. I said that even before I knew I was. If you're a sports fan, you have a lot of things. You can say, well, he was great. He is great. And and yet, do we stop and talk about how great our God is and tell God how great he is? Think of all the rulers that came through this earth. Catherine the Great of Russia and Charles the Great of France and the great Khan of Mongolia and Alexander the Great. If you're a history buff, you can tell me all kinds of great things about them. But when's the last time you stopped to actually tell God how great he is? Get all jacked up about inventors, the great Galileo with his telescope and the great Benjamin Franklin with electricity and musicians, the great Beethoven or the great Beatles. We don't have a problem talking about some of these people and, saying, and proclaiming how great they are and maybe it's not even someone famous in your life but it's your, your son or your daughter, your husband or your wife or whoever it is that's special to you. We can talk about people's greatness forever and we're really enamored with them. And yet somehow we find it so hard to spend a few minutes just telling God how great he is. And and it's a battle for us and a struggle. I want to encourage you and challenge you to make part of your prayer time just telling God how great he is over bringing him your agenda. And just stop and praise the greatness of our God. It elevates our hearts and moves our spirits. This is one of the most difficult sections of our praise and prayer every single prayer and praise meeting that we have as a, as a church it's the it's the one that's sort of like rrr, 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 and i can just tell in people's eyes like you want me to praise you want me to just praise god for the next 10 minutes what do i say what do i do and without a doubt in every single prayer gathering i've been in at our church in four and a half years every time i say at the beginning this is just gonna be a time to praise god guess what happens in that prayer time from my own lips too we start praying and then somehow in the middle we start asking. We start asking for things and and I keep thinking to myself every time, like really, why do I, why do we have, have such a hard time spending 10 minutes adoring God we can talk about all the other great people in this world for half an hour or an hour. The people that we, but, but for God, I like just stop and think of with me for a minute some characteristics of God that make God God. And in your prayer time, do the same. Just stop and say, God, you are great because. Think of some of the incommunicable attributes of God. Incommunicable means these are the things that only God has that we don't. Yes, God's given us his, made us in his image and given us his nature, but there's some things that that God stands alone in. Think of some of these things as we think about the greatness of God. God is independent. Doesn't need anything or anybody. God is unchangeable. The same yesterday, today, and forever. God is eternal. He has always been, always will be. God is omnipresent. He is all places at all times. God is perfect unity. and He's unified in himself with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's a reason to praise right there, isn't it? taking time to tell God how great he is. You know what it does? It takes this this shift off of me and onto him. Takes the emphasis off of my own and onto God's own that then when I continue praying, I have God's mind and God's heart to pray and have a fullness of a closeness with God. This is so important, we can't miss it. We have to reprogram ourselves. If we're gonna pray like never before, we have to reprogram ourselves from thinking about me to placing the emphasis on God. This is what will increase. How do I get a greater love for God? Focus on God for a while. How do I pray according to God's will? Get your mind and heart on God and he'll give you his mind and heart. How does my faith increase by spending time just dwelling on the greatness of our God? How do I pray bold prayers that you get your mind and heart set on God and the bold prayers of faith will come out of your lips? How do I have joy? joys in the presence of God. This is so important to really fuel our prayer life that we spend time praising God. And that's only the second part of this. Third, third part is this. My praise prayers rise to praise when I do this. I offer up thank you for's over give me more's. My prayers rise to praise when I offer up thank you for's over give me more's. Here's David again expressing appreciation for all that he had. I'm sure as a king there were so many things you could say, well, thank you God for, but now I need, and spent most of his time on the needs as a king would have. Instead, look what he does. He doesn't even get to the needs at all. Look at the next verse, verse 12. He exalts God as head above all and just stops and says, God, you're the king of this world. You're the king of my life. I just want to exalt you for a minute. Then he says this in verse 12, both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. He says it again. In your hand are power and might. In your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now what do we do? We thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Notice he's not longing for anything from God. He's grateful for all that he already has in God. Riches. All the gifts that they had were from God. The riches of David, where they come from? They came from God. He realized that everything he had came from God. Every little thing he had, every dime in his pocket came from God. I don't think he just spent it with like, hey, here's, here's my last buck. It was like, thank you, God, for this. He praised God for his riches. He praised God for his honor. The honor that God had bestowed upon him. And you're like, well, he was a king. Of course he had some honor. But think of this. Think of what we can praise God for. We can praise God for the honor he has bestowed upon every one of us who are Wicked, rebellious sinners that he has saved by grace and made us children of the most high God. There's an honor in that that we can praise God for. He praises him for his power. David had a lot of power in that day. He realized it came from God. You might be saying, well, I don't have any power to praise God for. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us that we can praise God for. We have more power. We have more power than the greatest leaders of this world, because we have the power of God living in us. We can stop and thank God for that, that we have this inner reality of God in us to fight off sin, to live in love, to understand God's grace. He thanks him for his might. Kind of seems the same as power, but I think might would be this, the ability to get through the difficult, hard, scary times of life and keep going when you feel like giving up. We can just stop and thank God that I'm still going today because of you, Lord. I'm still going today, but the treadmill seemed to be speeding up pace a little bit. And it's got a little bit of an incline now, which I hadn't started with. And I don't know if I can keep up. It feels like my feet are going to blow off the end. And yet we can say, I'm still running this race, God, because of your might. And he praises him for his strength. The daily energy to get out of bed in the morning, really, and, and keep living for the Lord. Keep going to your place of work. Keep up with all that is before you. There's so much to thank God for. David just runs through a few lists here, a few things. But I read that and I'm like, man, ever come to your prayer life? You're like, I don't know what to thank God for. I don't know what to thank God for. And so again we bust into the things we want God to do for us the, the, instead of thank you for is it's just now give me mores and yet just these things alone if you stop to think about it man we have so much to be thankful for before the lord How much are thank yous a part of your prayer life How much are, is part of your prayer life spending time just saying God everything I have is from your hand Let's be honest Let's be honest. For us to struggle with thank yous to God, we are pretty spoiled children, aren't we? I say that to me too. I say that to me too. We might not be the richest people in the universe, as well. God, not the riches that David had, but think of all the riches—just the physical riches alone—that God has blessed us with here in Canada. Even if you're the poorest in Canada, the government looks after you enough that you're among the wealthiest in the world. So I jumped on globalriches.org this week just to see how rich we really are, to help us see the fullness of what we can be thanking God for in our prayers every day. I encourage you to make this part of your prayer life. Get this. Apart from even our family and our friends and our health and our jobs and our homes and our beds and our clothes and our our freedom and our cars and all those things, this is how how much we have to thank God for today. Over half the world, three billion people, about half the world, three billion people live on less than $2.50 a day. 80% of all of humanity lives on less than $10 per day. I've got nothing to be thankful for today. I'll just skip to the requests. 22,000 children die per day in poverty. And this website's a little bit outdated. 28% of kids in developing countries are underweight or stunted. 72 million primary age school kids in developing countries have no education. They were not in school this week. One billion people can't read or sign their own names. 40 million people in this world have AIDS and every year there's 350 to 400 million cases of malaria per year. Death coming with both of those illnesses. Get this, 1.1 billion people have inadequate water supply and 2.6 billion people lack basic sanitation. And we struggle to pray for like three minutes a day. As I quoted you last week, was the average person of what North America, what we pray. I got nothing to pray for. Really? You just apply these first three points of aiming to bless God and and aiming to tell God how great he is and then start going over some of your blessings and the things, the thank yous that God has given you. And you're up to five minutes already easily if you skimp on it. I'm not trying to chastise you today. I'm just trying to spur you on today to to realize that, man, we have so much to praise God about that. How can we not pray? And that's just the physical things. Then you tap on the spiritual blessings. God says He gives us every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. We also, forget the physical things, there's enough there, but forget the physical things. We also have the cross and the gospel, we have salvation. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of, we have Jesus' presence going with us. And yes, in this world we may have trouble, but we have Christ who's overcome the world living within us. Is that not reason to praise? We have truth right here in our hands. We have truth. Everyone's looking for truth. They're defining their own truth. We have the truth that's gonna be the same in 10,000 years as it is today. We have a solid ground to stand on in our lives. We have a joy in Jesus that nobody or no circumstance can take from us. We have our salvation that is sealed by God until the day of redemption. In other words, he's not going to let it pass from us. We have this hope that Christ is going to be revealed soon and we'll see his face one day. And we will spend an eternity in unhindered fellowship with our God and our Savior. We have reason to praise, brothers and sisters. More so than any other people in any other time in history. And again, if we miss this element of our prayer lives, prayer is going to be boring. It's gonna be old. It's gonna be stale. There's gonna be nothing in your heart that's moving and you're gonna give up on it. But we get these things straight. We start praising God in our prayers. Amen, our whole lives will be completely, radically changed by Jesus. Help us, oh God, I pray this, pray this all week. Help us not be like Black Friday shoppers. Who spend a day thanking, him, a day in thanksgiving. David and I talk about this every year as we chuckle at the USA Today, head, you know, the USA Today. Thank you for all your blessings on, on Thanksgiving in the US and, on, and on, good Fr- on Black Friday or beating everybody up for all the things they don't have. And then spend the next 364 days longing, 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 thank you, longing, 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 thank you. And, and really the thank you simply but like, yeah, you're good. Psh, go on all the things I want and need. God, help us not be like that. Help us not be like that. Remember the last time you gave someone a gift only to have them bust right by it and not even acknowledge it? How'd that make you feel? Maybe you sacrificed, maybe you looked for a long time for it. How'd it make you feel? Same way I think God feels when we go busting right through prayer without even stopping to really Thank him, thank him, thank him for all that he is and all that he's been to us. Philippians 4, 6 says this, and everything by request and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you realize that thankfulness is a gift from God? Thankfulness is a gift from God that frees us from ourselves and from this material world. Thankfulness is a gift from God. When was the last time we opened it before God? So important to do, so important to do read this quote this week that says this, which captures the true essence of prayer. Don't pray when it rains if you can't pray when it shines. By Satchel Page. Don't pray when it rains if you don't pray when it shines. You know why? Because God doesn't just want to be our, our rescue ranger who comes when we're in trouble. God wants to be our father, our God. He wants that intimate fellowship. He wants to know that what we think of him and that we love him, that he is great. He wants us to come to him and to thank him for abundant blessings. To game changer. Last one is this. It's in the last few verses here. My prayers rise to praise when I dwell on what God has done over what you want Him to do. And it's kind of a tack on to what I just finished saying about the glory of our salvation. But look at 14. This posture here will change the way we pray. This posture here will, will change our, our heart and our attitude towards God when we dwell on what God has already done for us over what we want him to do for us in the future. Listen to listen what David says. This is the king. He's, like, he's got everyone bowing to him. He's got all these, these goods. He's gathered for the temple. He's in a great place. And look what he says. He says, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer such offering willingly for all these things come from you and of your own hand we have given you look how david describes himself for we are what's the first one strangers before you we are sojourners as our fathers were on our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding but oh lord all this abundance all this abundance that we have, that we have provided for building in a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. Here's where worship and prayer really come hand to hand when you truly realize who you are and who, in relation to who God is. If you truly realize that, you will come into prayer with the posture of prayer, with a heart to praise the Lord, realizing that just like the Israelites, that's who you were before you were saved. We were just strangers of God. Unknown to God because of our sin, we'd become foreigners to God, far off from Him, not worthy of even a look or a mention from Him in our sinful state. That's what David's saying. Who are we? We are but strangers. We're sojourners. We don't have a home to lay our head. We're wanderers. We have nothing but what others give us. We don't own anything. We're deprived and we're needy of everything, including protection. That's what David's saying here. We are but a shadow. We are but temporary, here for a second and gone the next. We are but finite. But as we come into God's presence, we realize that one thing has changed all that. One person has changed all that. That's the gospel. That's the cross of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. This is who we deserve to be. But because of Jesus, the the cross bridges that gap. And now we come into God's presence with praise because we are no longer strangers by the cross of Jesus. He's brought us near to not just even be friends, but to be family, to be adopted into his eternal family forever. We're not sojourners anymore with nothing to our name. We have all the inheritance uh, that Jesus offers us. We're not but a shadow anymore. We're gonna live forever and all of eternity. This is reason to praise God, but we lose sight of who we really are before God, and I guarantee you, we're gonna go busting into the throne room of God, making all our demands and all of our lists and all the things we gotta do, forgetting that, wait, 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 who am I? But a sinner saved by grace because of the love of Jesus Christ. Keep this in mind and it's hard to not praise. For having trouble praising, you know what we've done? We've lost the wonder of our salvation and the gospel for having trouble praising, we have somehow morphed away from the gospel to some sort of religion of all the things that I can do and all the things I want, and that's not, that's not what God wants for us, and, and, and he wants for us to have this living, vital communion with him. We miss praise, we miss prayer, we miss praise. Remember that, we miss praise. Where's the flat loaf. We get praise. We are full of abundance and substance of the Lord, and so I commend to you this pattern for, for just to to do this coming week, just simply three things as you apply this message. is just look up, gather up, and offer up. It's got to start sometime. It's got to start somewhere. You want to pray like never before. I want to pray like never before. It starts with praising God. It starts with looking up. Get your eyes on the Lord. Gathering up all that God is and all that he has done and just offer up to him the best way you know. How. He doesn't care about the words you use or how eloquent you are. He just wants to hear, I love you and I thank you and I want to be near you and then offer up your praise to him. And if you even do this for five minutes a day, five minutes a day, which you lay that out, it's, you're gonna have to cram to keep it to five minutes. And then you put five minutes a day into the next section. I'm gonna talk about five minutes a day into the next section, five minutes a day into the next section. P-R-A-Y. And we apply the biblical truth of what prayer really is. Guess what? You will pray like never before. Your heart will be closer to God than never before. You'll see God in your life like never before. You'll have the joy of the Lord like never before. You will know the fullness of your salvation like never before. This is why we pray. This is why we pray, and this is our heart for my life and your life in our church this coming year. That we'd be a church that truly explodes in prayers of praise to Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word which so clearly reminds us of the purpose of our lives and the purpose of prayer. God, I pray for our church as a whole right now. I just offer this up on behalf of this whole church as our pastor. God, forgive us. Forgive us, O Lord, for the times where we've gone busting into your throne room, thinking that we're all that, that we have a plan for our lives and agenda, and we give you the proverbial hug and then just bust into what we want from you. Forgive us for that, God, for in those times we miss out on the full reality and the full glory and the full awesomeness of who you are. And God, we want to be a people who know what it means to have a close relationship with our Heavenly Father. We want to be a people, God, who, who bask in the presence of our God. Who don't just tell people about God, but who can share our experience with God. With those around us. A people who can say like about us, like they said about the, the disciples, that man, they're just regular, ordinary people, but they had been with Jesus God, we know that you are where we are. All of our, every single desire of our heart is found in you. And so God, I pray we wouldn't just hear this message and go on and forget about it. But God, I pray you'd stir in us right now a desire to see Jesus. A desire to truly have our hearts connected with the God of the universe. Give us an ability right now, God, to forsake ourselves and forsake our sin and be more enamored with you than anything else. And this week, God, I pray you'd remind us as we start praying every day that you'd remind us, even as we say grace that You'd before our meals, that you'd remind us as we say prayers before our kids with our kids at bed, as we say prayers before you remind us that the first priority of prayer is to praise. Is to simply look up, gather up, and offer up adoration and praise and thanksgiving for the immense privilege of being saved by grace and being called the child of the living God. Oh Lord, may we never move on from this truth. May we spend our days worshiping and praising you in song, in prayer with our lives for the glory of Jesus. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.